This morning's gospel reading starts with the words, the beginning. Where have we heard those words before? That is also how the book of Genesis begins. Genesis, the first book of the Jewish scripture, which we include in our Bible. So what does it mean to talk about a beginning so close to the end of this collection of writing that we call the Bible? As I was saying last week, it seems as though Mark's gospel was written just after a failed Jewish rebellion against the Roman Empire. Jerusalem was held under siege and defeated and many Jewish people were killed in retaliation. The Romans also destroyed the Jewish temple. In this context, where so much has ended and so much has been lost, Mark's community is being told about the beginning, a new genesis in the aftermath of destruction. Another word that's used right at the beginning of Mark is euangelion, the good news, the gospel. As a church, we've come to apply our own meaning that's developed around words like gospel and evangelism and evangelical. All of these words, they've developed a life of their own through our history as a faith. But it all goes back to this word used at the beginning of Mark, euangelion. And what this primarily referred to was the announcement of a new Roman emperor and the peace that was supposedly brought by the Roman Empire. This gospel, the good news of Rome, was called Pax Romana, the Roman peace. The idea was that Rome had brought an era of peace by subduing the other nations of the world. So the cost of that peace for Jewish people and for other nations that had been conquered by Rome was uh, basically subjugation and domination by Rome and high levels of taxation to be sent to Rome. So this, this peace was brought about by the same regime who had destroyed Jerusalem and killed many of the Jewish people. In this context... Mark is announcing a new beginning, the good news of Jesus Christ, not the emperor. Christ means the one who's been anointed, and this might imply a claim that Jesus is a king, because kings, priests, and prophets were anointed with oil. And, and Mark then goes on to say that Jesus is anointed, this anointed one is the son of God, and that is a title that was claimed by Roman emperors. It sounds a lot like Jesus is being described as a king, an alternative to the Roman emperor. As well as pointing back to Genesis, Mark is pointing back to the prophet Isaiah, talking about a messenger in the wilderness who will prepare the way for God. And I think Isaiah is talking about a new beginning in the face of destruction too. As I was saying last Sunday, Isaiah seems to have been written in three sections. There's some content from before the exile, before the, before the people of Israel had to leave their land. Then there's some writing from during the exile. And then there's more from after the exile. 
when the Jewish people were allowed to return to their homeland. And it seems as though each section was probably put together by a different author or a different group of authors, partly because it covers such a long period of time, but also because there's differences in the writing styles for each section and the themes that are focused on. So today's reading has been identified as the beginning, beginning of Second Isaiah, the beginning of the section that's taking place during the exile. And it follows straight on from when uh, visitors from Babylon have come to visit King Hezekiah. And there's no description of what happens next. It just goes straight to the situation of Israel having been conquered by Babylon. We know from other parts of the scripture that Jerusalem was besieged by Babylon and that the, when the city fell, the leaders were taken away into exile in Babylon. In Isaiah, it's as though it was too painful to describe what had happened. What we have instead of a description of the horrors of the siege and of the journey into exile is this message that God wants to comfort the people. One of the meanings that many people took from the exile was that it must have been a punishment for Israel's sins, although that idea is debated in the Jewish scripture. In this part of the scripture, it's saying that Jerusalem has already paid twice over. So it's saying that this level of distress is much worse than their sins of a nation as a nation could have justified. In this context of displacement and trauma, Israel's God is telling the prophet to comfort the people and acknowledge that while they had sinned as a society, they did not deserve this level of suffering. They should not be thinking that they deserved this. It is in fact saying that they should prepare for God to join them in the wilderness experience of exile. It says that God will be with them in exile, gathering them together for protection and nourishment. The word saying that human beings are like grass is a reminder that these great imperial regimes that dominated over Israel, like Assyria and Babylon and later Persia, they would not last forever. These words might also be a comfort to us when we're dismayed by the things that we see nations doing, even our own, our own uh, government's actions in, on the world stage. these regimes won't last forever. It's important for us to remember as Christians that while we see in these words from Isaiah a foreshadowing of Jesus, they had their own message for the original Jewish community that they were written and spoken for. These words that were intended to help them, sorry, these words were intended to help them in their situation of defeat and exile. It might be that Mark recalls Isaiah's words because his community's own situation reminds him of the defeat and exile experienced by Israel in Isaiah's time. In this situation, there's a wilderness setting and there's also talk about sin. The way that Mark tells the story, there's no infancy narratives. We don't have anything about the, um, the Mary and Joseph and the unexpected pregnancy or the wise men or the angels or the shepherds or any of that. We just have John appearing in the desert, announcing a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. And if we look at the way that Mark describes the scene, it seems that the question of sin must have been on the minds of people 
in this situation as well, because it says that everyone in the countryside and the whole of Jerusalem were going out into the wilderness to confess their sin. Maybe they were concerned as well that their sin was the cause of the Roman occupation. Maybe they were concerned that that was why they had been defeated. Despite this runaway success, John the baptizer is actually announcing somebody far greater who's coming after him. And we'll hear more of that story as we pick up Mark's gospel again in the new year. In the meantime, let's consider what questions these readings raise for us in our situation. For us, there is also a sense in which we're beginning again. It's not very long that we started meeting here again after having to um, only stay in touch with each other online and on the phone and things like that. We're now able to meet again in in person. We're beginning again in this situation of a global pandemic. We're beginning to gather again in this space so that we can continue to encourage each other. And as a church, we're finding ourselves in a different situation to the situation we were when unification happened in 1977. We're now in a society where we can no longer assume that Christianity is the default or that our views will be prioritised and respected. So I'd like to suggest that as a church, we need to be considering how we will begin again in this situation, in this new situation. In this situation, we need to be taking the time to consider where God is active and present in the community, what God is doing, and how we're going to be involved, how we're being invited to be involved. I'm not going to offer a conclusion on that, but it's a conversation that we'll be exploring as we begin our mission study after the service. Lest the word of life be lost, let us allow God to confront us in the sound of silence.